0: Welcome to The Mark Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Heineman. And I'm Kelly King.
1: If you're a regular listener, you might already know that from time to time, we provide full teaching sessions for some of our favorite Bible studies right here on The Mark Podcast. We're kicking off a new study.
0: Yes, and for the next seven weeks, we're going to do Jackie Hill Perry's Jude Bible Study together. We'll release the audio of one teaching session per week here on The Mark Podcast. Jude is Jackie's Bible study published with Lifeway. And she has graciously granted us permission to play the audio here. Please know that this is copyrighted material, so we ask that you not reproduce it. Before we dive in, know that the teachings in these
1: sessions expand on the work that you'll do in the Bible study book. For the full impact of the study, you'll want to get the Bible study workbook, and you can purchase the book at LifeWay.com forward slash Jude. We have a sample session there if you wanna use it while you wait for your book to
0: come in the mail. These audio teachings will be available for a limited time due to copyright restrictions. We'll leave the audio up until August 31st. We hope that gives you time to get the book and study along with us. Over seven sessions, Jackie will lead you through the book
1: of Jude. You're gonna dive into themes of being called, loved and kept and learn how to point others to Jesus in grace and truth. Now here's Jackie Hill Perry.
2: Let's read in our Bibles, Jude 5 through 11. It says, now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desires, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. Jude is writing a letter that, remember, he believed was necessary to write. He began his letter by telling his recipients that his main idea was that he wanted them to contend for the faith. And there was a reason why this was necessary. It was necessary because there were people in their midst that were teaching some things that weren't true, teaching that God's grace gave them and us license to sin. These people were also denying Jesus. And we know that this denial was not a theological one. They were denying Jesus practically. They were denying him by not living submitted to him. The crazy thing is, is that Jude's recipients don't see these people. Jude says that they are going unnoticed, which means that it could have been their friends, their mentors, their small group leader, their Bible study buddies, their favorite Christian speakers, their favorite Christian authors. It is the people that they are fellowshipping with often that are actually working in secret to destroy the faith. So to help the people be able to notice who it is that is sneaking in false teaching among them, Jude has to lay out some examples. In these examples, he is gonna show us the character of these people and the condemnation of these people. Jude is gonna use some Old Testament narratives to do this. He is gonna use some things that these people, these recipients might have heard before. They have heard these stories. They have heard of Cain. Cain. They have heard of Balaam. They have heard of Sodom and, and Gomorrah, but they might not have known how relevant it still was. The first set of Old Testament examples that Jude references deal with groups. He talks about Israel, he talks about angels, and he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember, as we go through these narratives, you are looking at the character traits and the condemnations, and this is Jude showing us how we can perceive the unnoticed teachers among us. Verse five, Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. The character trait in this story, in this narrative is unbelief. The condemnation is destruction. The context is that in Exodus 14, God rescues Israel out of Egypt. He delivers them. He, what this text calls, saves them from slavery. In a transition period, they find themselves in the wilderness. While in the wilderness, they are waiting to enter into Canaan. God said that Canaan would be a land flowing with milk and honey, and it would be a land that God would give them. That was his word. That was his promise. And God is not a man that he should lie, right? In Numbers 14, They send out 12 spies to look at the land of Canaan, to figure it out, to see what it's about. Ten of the spies come back with a bad report. They say, I mean, it is flowing with milk and honey, but the people are big. The people are strong and they're stronger than us, so we shouldn't go. We shouldn't try to fight these people. But two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, they come back with a good report. They say, yeah, they might be strong, but God is stronger. And so because God is stronger, we should overtake the land. But Israel believes the majority and not the minority. They believe the doubtful and not the faithful. And because they believe the people who are doubting God, they too find themselves doubting God too. And for this reason, the result of that is condemnation. The consequence is that God judges them. All who refuse to believe God must stay in the wilderness until all of them are dead. So what is Jude trying to say about these unnoticed teachers? He is saying that the people that are among Jude's recipients are not people of faith. They don't trust God's word. They don't take God at his word. They are people full of doubt, yet they act like they're full of faith. They act as if they are people who trust God, but in all actuality, they are just like Israel. And it is because of their unbelief that they too will be destroyed. Verse 6. The second group that he talks about, he says, And the angels, who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has everybody say kept yes. he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day the character trait here is rebellion rebellious you see that by saying but left their proper dwelling the condemnation is that these these angels are being kept in chains to judgment on the great day the context is that in Genesis 6 we have some angels that all of a sudden I guess want to sin against God by sleeping with some women And sleeping with some women, they ended up having some babies. Instead of doing what God had created them to do, which is to serve him, to be ministers for him, they decided to serve themselves. So they left their proper dwelling. And because of it, these angels are now being kept. They didn't want to stay in their place. So now they're being kept in the place that God has for them, which is judgment. So taking from this narrative, Jude is trying to communicate that the people among Jude's recipients are people who are rebellious. They don't want to do what God has them to do. They don't want to stay where God would have them say. They don't want to say what God would have them say. They want to do what they want. And the condemnation awaiting them is that they, too, will be judged just like the angels. The third group is Sodom and Gomorrah, verse seven. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. The character trait is sexual immorality. The condemnation is punishment of fire. The context is that in Genesis 19, God sends two angels to the land of Sodom and Gomorrah to destroy the city because of their sins. The observable sins in Genesis 19 is homosexual sin. There was an attempted gang rape and unnatural lust. For that reason, God destroys the entire city in judgment by raining down fire. So we can conclude from his use of this example is that the people that are going unnoticed among Jews recipients are men who are characterized by sexual immorality. These are men who have no restraint when it comes to their lust and their passions and seeing that they were using God's grace as a license to sin, they are most likely likely justifying their sexual proclivities and their sexual passions by appealing to the grace of God. Nowadays, again, we see people appealing to God's love that because God loves us, surely he wouldn't take any issue with us doing what feels most natural. But just as God's judgment or Sodom and Gomorrah was actual, so will the judgment of these unnoticed teachers among Jude's recipients and the unnoticed teachers among us. Jude doesn't stop there. He moves from three groups to three people. He talks about Cain, Balaam, and Korah. Here, we're just gonna look at the character of each so that we can understand how these people were to be identified. Look at verse 11. It says, for they walked in the way of Cain. Context. Genesis 4. Cain and Abel are the sons of Adam and Eve. Both Cain and Abel give God a sacrifice. God accepts Abel's sacrifice. God rejects Cain's sacrifice. Out of jealousy, Cain murders his brother. What is the character trait to be seen here? I think there is two. The first one would be disobedience. In Genesis 4-7, God tells Cain before he sins that sin is crouching at his door, and that, but he must rule over it. But Cain doesn't listen to God. Cain doesn't submit to the word of God. He actually lets sin rule, which is by, by nature disobedience. Cain didn't take heed to God's word. The second trait, I believe, would be hatred or lovelessness. In 1 John 3, 15, it says everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Sometimes we think of hate like people that are vengeful or people that, you know, their eyebrows are scrunched up all the time. We, we think of hate in these very dramatic terms, but hate is present where love is not. So to not love is to hate and to hate is to have the heart of a murderer just like Cain. These unnoticed teachers are like Cain in the sense that they don't listen to the word of God and don't submit to the love of God, nor do they love the people of God. These people are disobedient and they are loveless. Our second example is Balaam. In verse 11, he says, they abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error. In Numbers 22 through 24, Balaam is solicited to curse Israel. When confronted by the angel of the Lord and a talking donkey, Balaam changes his mind and ends up uh, blessing Israel. But later in Numbers 25 and 31, Israel ends up sinning against God. And we actually find out that it was Balaam who was seducing Israel to sin for what Jude says is financial gain. So, what can we conclude about these unnoticed teachers by looking at this example that Jude is giving us of Balaam? We can conclude that these are people who will do anything for gain. It is profitable for these people to seduce others to sin. And if not financially profitable, then there is esteem, there is fame, there is popularity that comes with preaching particular messages. This is another reason why they go unnoticed, even when they're all in front of us, because the majority approves them. And you can feel as if that's evidence for their fruitfulness. But we have to discern even if nobody else is the third example. You see a progression here, walked in the way of Cain, abandoned themselves for the sake of gain and perished in Korah's rebellion. In verse 11, it says they have perished in Korah's rebellion. The context is Numbers 16. You see that Jude is taking us on an Old Testament survey In number 16 Korah feel some type of way about Moses' authority. So he gathers about 250 men to agree with him and they present themselves before Moses and Moses being the humble and the meek and the prayerful man that he is, he prays and God comes down and, and judges Korah by opening up the ground underneath him and swallowing his entire family whole. In verse four, Jude hints at what kind of character trait this is or what is motivating this kind of behavior when he said that they are denying our only Lord and Master Jesus Christ remember this denial is that they refuse to submit to Christ's Lordship right and so the problem is, is that these are people who hate authority they do not want to submit to authority just like Cora didn't want to submit to authority they don't want to submit to the authority of Scripture They don't want to submit to the other leaders in their church. They will posture themselves as humble, as lovers of God, but they actually refuse to submit to God. They would rather deny God their only Lord and master than deny themselves. Jude has taken three groups from the Old Testament and three people from the Old Testament and placed them before God's people that are familiar with the Old Testament. And these teachers who have crept in among them, have the character of the people and the groups. And what is the character again? Let's refresh. They are unbelieving. They are people who don't trust God's word. They are rebellious. They are people who don't want to do what God has told them to do. They are sexually immoral. All that scripture has said is sexual sin is all that these men love to do. They are disobedient and they are loveless. They disregard God's word and God's warning and they seduce people into sin, even if it means that they will get what they really desire. And they are haters of authority. They will buck against every ounce of authority that God has placed over them, fully ignorant that the ground beneath them is about to sink. In Matthew 7, Jesus warned his disciples about false prophets. And he said that they would come in sheep's clothing. Don't miss what Jesus said. Wolves in the church don't look like wolves. They look like sheep. In Jude's description, he's made the character of these people very plain, but they won't. They will be greedy, but they'll tithe to confuse you. They'll show themselves to be loving but it's really to earn your trust or conceal their motives. They'll sound humble, they'll sound meek, but humility is not a tone of voice. It's a heart posture that shows up in how you live. So pay attention to if they're actually teachable. Pay attention to if they have anybody in their circle that can challenge them. Pay attention to if they submit to authority, but usually these kinds of teachers will position themselves as leaders so that they can conveniently be the authoritative one, just like Korah. They will come off as pure. They'll even write books about sexual immorality, but they'll walk in it the whole time. There's also another kind of false teacher among us that connects to this, and I've hinted at it a lot. They are the sort of teacher that has found a new interpretation for scripture that says that all expressions of sexual immorality are permissible. And know that this is not someone who has done proper hermeneutics. This is a person who has a heart of rebellion that is informing their interpretations of scripture. Jude's recipients have wolves sitting at their communion table. They have wolves present at their fellowship. And we have wolves doing the same. Their podcast might be in our phone. Their books might be on our desk. God forbid they are an elder in our church. They might be one of the thought leaders in our sphere of influence and because they look so much like she, we don't notice them. This is why Jesus says that the way you recognize false prophets is by looking at what? Not their intellect, not their followers, not their communication skills, not their gifts, not their seminary degrees, not their perceived kindness, not even how long they've been in ministry or how many people they have in their church. You recognize them by their fruit. False teachers always have wicked lives. In the the seven verses that we've just looked at in Jude, he's done exactly what Matthew 7 says that we should do. He's used these Old Testament examples and took the fruit off of these false teacher's trees and held it up for God's people to see it and look at it for themselves. And by seeing what kind of character these people have, it would allow them to finally notice these people so that they can challenge these people. And know we spent the latter part of our time tonight focusing on the character of these unnoticed teachers. But next session, we're going to go where Jude wants us to go by looking closer at the condemnation of these teachers.
0: Thank you for listening to the Mark podcast. We'll be releasing all seven teaching sessions of the Jude Bible study here on the podcast for the next seven weeks. We will leave the audio up until August 31st. Be sure to get a Bible study book, get together with your Bible study friends or hop on a Zoom call and listen in. If you enjoyed today's teaching sessions, be sure to join us for Jackie's brand new event, Glory, coming to five cities in 2021. And don't miss Jackie's new book, Holier Than Thou, releasing this August. Learn more and find a Glory event near you at lifeway.com slash Jackie Hill Perry. If you're loving this Bible study content, please
1: let us know. Tag us at Lifeway Women or use the hashtag MarkedPodcast on all your social media. Let us know what you're learning, if you like getting Bible study content this way, or if you have ideas for future episodes. We're so grateful you're listening and want to know how to serve you well. Bye. Bye.